Camp Bulletin! If you'd like more from Camp, we'll now be posting bonus episodes on Patreon. And if you'd like to represent Camp, I've created some fantastic designs for t-shirts, mugs, tote bags, bunch of stuff, all available now on TeePublic. There's kick-ass Hocus Pocus merch, super classic stuff that looks like it came from a real camp store. My personal favorites are a 90s-style marathon t-shirt I made for a Halloween fun run at camp, like something your mom would work out in, and the 80s-style Desert of Maine design of my dreams I had to make real. I'll continue to add designs for different seasons and show references, so check back often. If you have a ghost story you'd like to share, please email us at letterstocamp at gmail.com. And finally, if you have a minute, throw a rating and a review our way. Alright campers, head to the campfire. It's time for the show. listening to scary stories from camp roanoke i'm katie wiggins i'm morgan campbell uh people's merch is coming in Ah! and it it looks so fabulous i love mine and uh our most popular one right now not by far but definitely the leader of the pack is the halloween pumpkin pond marathon t-shirt design that i made super cute it looks really vintage especially once you get it against white um on a t-shirt or on a sweatshirt and i think it would look awesome as a tote bag too but it's looking so good and up close to that i think is like classic camp logo stuff which of Mm -hmm. course gotta do the classics have to um but everyone's stuff looks so awesome and i love my own stuff so and send us pictures of you wearing it it's so exciting to see it is really awesome Okay, so today's podcast vibe, I'm going to be taking the reins gently because Morgan has been under the weather. So what I'm going to do is read y'all some scary stories. I've got a couple of books here, and I'm going to read about Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. Bachelor's Grove Cemetery is a famous haunted location And I have two books that both cover. One is going to talk about the history and the history of haunted locations and how it started and what the deal is. And after I read that, I'm going to read an encounter from someone who went ghost hunting there. Ooh, cool. Yes. So if Morgan nods off halfway through, listeners, we're just going to keep going. Just talk quietly and... Just like kind of keep it down. Um, if try and talk over my snoring, I dare you. Funny, um, because <laughs> she's in a very delicate state. Um, also, I'd like to note it's less than a hundred days to Halloween. We're getting Which, there. I think of Halloween as almost like the creepy, crunchy leaves world of that half of the year. Mm-hmm. So I just want to get us away from like a scarcity mindset, Morgan. Mm-hmm. uh, because i mean really we're like halloween night is often disappointing um yeah so let's think of it as like the halloween half of the year Ooh, that feels good (gasps) i like that that feels good i like we are basically in the halloween (gasps) half of the year Happy Halloween oh. half. Happy Halloween half, my love. I'm oh. already planning movies I'm going to watch. I'm not doing the 31 movies this year because that's a lot. But I am going to make it a point to watch a lot of movies I've never seen before. I think I'm going to do, especially on Patreon, I'm going to be doing a lot of like books to read Ooh. and very particular parts of the Halloween Ooh, half of the year. Nice. So... Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. I'm going to start out and read from a fabulous book that I bought during Hurricane Ike when Barnes & Noble was one of the few places with power and I scared the ever-living shit out of myself when I was in like 7th or 8th grade whenever this happened because I would read it during the day and then 
we had no power for two weeks, so the lights would be off at night, and we'd have to walk around my big spooky house with a candles. Oh my god! And then I would swear that I wouldn't read it the next day, and then I would like literally not be able to stop myself <gasps> because I loved it so much. So this book is called The Haunting of America. Ooh. It was published by Barnes and Noble, and it was written by Troy Taylor. So. Funnily enough, on my King Tut episode, I talked about, like, mummies aren't the only bodies who are, like, disturbed and, like, come back with a vengeance. Like, Mm -hmm. they're not the only dead people who people have ideas that they, like, will haunt you and do weird things to you if you disturb their bodies. And Bachelors Grove Cemetery is, like, a perfect case study in that because it is a disturbed resting place, to say the least. All right, tuck in Morgan. Okay. Pull up your little blankie. It's 75 in my house. So this is under the section Heartland Hauntings. They like divide it by regions of the U.S. Usually I would like read it in the accent of the appropriate thing, but truly no one wants to listen to a Chicago accent for an extended period. Um, so just like keep that vaguely in your mind. Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. The most haunted place in Chicago land. <laughs> I have a vendetta against Chicago, just so you know. Just Why? so everyone knows. It's like a long and storied tale. I went there once in February and I'll never go back. <laughs> It's it's fun for me to have vendettas against certain places. And I honestly, I feel like Chicago can take it. Looking at you, San Antonio. (laughs) Looking at you. I feel like (laughs) Chicago would be like, oh, yeah, I got a problem with you. I got a problem with you, too. So, you know, stay. (laughs) Yeah. See if you can live without deep dish pizza and quality sausage. And I'm like, oh, I can. I can't. I can. I I love nothing more than a sausage top deep dish pizza. (laughs) Morgan. Oh, my God. Don't broadcast that. <laughs> That's private information. Morgan, keep that to yourself. There are people <laughs> listening. A sausage topped deep dish pizza? Yeah. You gotta go Star Pizza. They put a lot of garlic on it too. And spin it. Mm. We we mm. we want different things. It's for a pizzas. casserole, baby. <laughs> <laughs> My ideal pizza I can't pick up. <sighs> so, cemetery. Located near the southwest suburb of Midlothian is the Rubio Woods Forest Preserve, an island of trees and shadows nestled in the urban sprawl of the Chicago area. The rambling refuge creates an illusion that it is secluded from the crowded city that threatens its borders, and perhaps it is. On the edge of the forest is a small graveyard that many believe may be the most haunted place in the region. The name of this cemetery is Bachelor's Grove. And this ramshackle burial ground may be infested with more ghosts than most can imagine. Over the years, the place has been cursed with more than a hundred documented reports of paranormal phenomena, from actual apparitions to glowing balls of light. Morgan, do you know anything about Bachelor's Grove? Have you heard anything about it? Mm-mm. Okay, no. going in totally fresh. Mm-hmm. There have been no new burials here for many years, and as a place of rest for the departed, it is largely forgotten. But if you should ask any ghost hunter just where to find a haunting, Bachelor's Grove is usually the first place in Chicago to be mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. First place in Chicago. Uh, I wonder if there's a ghost, like, stuck inside the bean. You know, like the the shiny <laughs> the shiny ex- ex- exterior art installation in that square. Magic. It's like, and late at night, you hear knocks emanating from the bean. The history of Bachelor's Grove has been somewhat shadowy over the years, but most historians agree that it was started in the early part of the 1800s. In August 1933, the famous Ripley's Believe It or Not column featured a short piece on Bachelor's Grove Cemetery, stating that it was so unusual because even though it had been set aside as a burial ground for bachelors only, there were also women buried there. (gasps) 
Unfortunately, though, the column was inaccurate, and this has been just one of the many myths and misconceptions created about the, bachel- <laughs> about the cemetery over the years. The name of the cemetery came not from a, the number of single men buried here, but from the name of a family who settled in the area. Thank God. When I thought it was just a bunch of single men. I know. Very scary. Like, it's like, you lived alone, and you die will die alone. alone. You will die only surrounded <laughs> by your own kind. We will not allow you to be buried near people who have the decency to link up and have a family. You un-American pieces of shit go out and rot in the forest outside of Chicago. But that is not the case. Good. Good. <laughs> that would be so depressing, just fully resigning to being single and if you don't want to be single and buying a lonely plot <laughs> there. Being like, well, it's about time. I don't I don't think any woman is gonna walk into my life. I better buy a plot at the Bachelor's Grove. Jeez Louise. What a depressing funeral home visit that would be. Not, I mean, in context of a funeral home, but it's not a happy, it's not a happy event. The lore about the bachelor burial ground dates back to 1833 or 1834, when a man named Stephen H. Rexford settled in the region with a number of other unmarried men. (laughs) That's pretty much how places were settled back then. And then they were like, import the women! Um, Allegedly, they began calling the place bachelor's grove but this has been widely disputed by historians who believe the name bachelor's grove was already in use at the time they believe that the name of the cemetery came from a settlement that was started in the late 1820s that consisted of mostly german immigrants from new york vermont and connecticut Mm -hmm. one family that moved into the area was called batchelder b-a-t-c-h-e-l-d-e-r batchelder okay And their name was given to the Timberland where they settled, just as other timber areas like Walker's Grove, Cooper's Grove, and Blackstone's Grove were named after families and individuals. That's honestly how so many areas of New York are named. People will think that, like, Brooklyn is is actually, like, so many names in New York are just like, oh, that's from, like, a Dutch word, like, Brookloink. And then it's like, and then it's Brooklyn. And then it's like, oh, this area could literally be called something as mundane as like North Street. But it's like, oh, it's from the Dutch like Nurder Street. It's not North. Like, they'll just like hammered it until it sounded like normal. (laughs) (laughs) It's wild. Yeah. Although not everywhere in New York got this treatment. There's still a Skirmerhorn subway station and a Kajusko Street. Pronunciations of both are widely disputed. Regardless, the small settlement continued for some years as Bachelor's Grove, like B-A-T-C-H, like a Mm. batch of cookies. Cute. Uh, Until 1850, when it was changed to Bremen by Postmaster Samuel Everden in recognition of the new township name where the post office was located. In 1855, it was changed again to Bachelor's grove by postmaster these postmasters are crazy robert patrick but the post office closed down just three years later so officially the settlement ceased to exist and was swallowed by the forest around it (laughs) oh my god (laughs) what a weird history batchelder grove the cemetery itself has a much stranger history since you opined uh or at least a more mysterious one (laughs) Can you imagine something more mysterious than a series of German settlements of a wood in the suburbs of Chicago? Well, I'm about to give you one. <laughs> the land was apparently first set aside to be used as a burial ground in 1844, when the first recorded burial took place there, that of Eliza Scott. The land had been donated by a property owner by the property owner, Samuel Everden, and it was named Everden in his honor. Strangely, though, the first burial is disputed by an article that appeared in the Blue Island Sun Standard in August of 1935. According to this story, the first burial was that of a man named William B. Nobles, who died in 1838. The last burials to take place are believed to be that of Laura M. McGee in 1965 and Robert E. Shields, who was cremated and buried in a family plot there in 1989. 
And this place is out of the way. It is truly like an overgrown cemetery in the middle of the woods. Really? Spooky. Yes. It is I love not that. it's not large, it's not sprawling. It is like literally in the woods. Regardless of when the cemetery started, the first legal record of it appeared when Edward Everden sold the property to Frederick Schmidt in 1864. Edward Everden and Frederick Schmidt. Have you ever heard more 1864 American names? Right. A notation in the record stated that all of the land would be sold, excepting, quote, one acre used as a graveyard. Mm. This makes it clear that the cemetery was already in existence and had been created by Everden, not, as the Schmidt family later tried to claim, by Friedrich Schmidt. However, the Schmitz did intend to expand the original property later on, but there's no evidence that this was ever done. So Schmitz, back of the line. (laughs) (laughs) The last independent caretaker of the cemetery was a man named Clarence Fulton, whose family were early settlers in the township. According to Fulton, Bachelor's Grove was like a park for many years, and people often came here to fish and swim in the adjacent pond. Families often visited on weekends to care for the graves of the deceased and to picnic under the trees. Things have certainly changed since then. Mm. Problems began in and around the cemetery in the early 1960s, at the same time that the Midlothian Turnpike was closed to vehicle traffic in front of the cemetery. Even before that, the cemetery had become a popular spot along a lover's lane, and when the road closed, it became even more isolated. Soon, it became to sh- it began to show signs of vandalism and decay, and was considered haunted. I think once a place gets ugly enough mm. and like decayed enough, they're like, "There's ghosts there." Yeah, if enough teens go there to do drugs, it's haunted. Be a ghost story. Yeah, it's sort of like <laughs> like detecting termites. It's like you you use like external cues to like indicate mm-hmm. what's going on on the inside. It's like. Mm. Weak foundation as a ghost. It's like that's not that's not how that works. There's plenty of like ugly, dilapidated places that are just like filled with just termites mm-hmm. and not spirits. Damn those places. Condemn those places. They are often they probably are condemned. Yeah. For foreclose on those places? I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Give those places to people who need a home. How about that? Don't foreclose. Don't fold her clothes because Katie told you to. No. <laughs> stop. Okay. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Morgan, hush. You're very weak. Laughing too much warms up your blood. Um, so hush. And let don't me read to you. Again. <laughs> I see you haven't touched your Cadbury oil. So you be quiet until you take it down. Okay. Although the amount of paranormal activity that actually occurs in the cemetery has been argued by some, few can deny that strange things do happen there. When the various types of phenomenon really began is unclear, but it has been happening for more than three decades now. Was the burial ground already haunted? Or did the hauntings actually begin with the destructive decades of the 60s and 70s? (laughs) The Vandals first discovered Bachelor's Grove in the 1960s, and probably because of its secluded location, they began to wreak havoc on the place. Gravestones were knocked over and destroyed, sprayed with paint, broken apart, and even stolen. Police reports later stated that markers from Bachelor's Grove turned up in homes, yards, and even as far away as Evergreen Cemetery, which, Katie speaking, is in New York. Oh my god. I know. So these assholes are carrying tombs across the eastern seaboard. (laughs) This is so brutally annoying. It's like you really don't have anything else to do. Disaffected Chicago teens, have you not seen, like, hang out with Ferris Bueller? Also, like, tombstones are kind of ugly. Well, what are you going to do with it? I feel like it's sort of like stealing a street sign where it's like a point of pride. It's like this is not allowed to be here and yet here it is. Yes. In so many words. I'm I'm sure that's that's what they're trying to communicate to potential lovers. It's like, I've got a fucking gravestone. 
I don't know. I wouldn't have been impressed. I would have been freaked Mm -mm. out if I walked into a a guy's house and he had a fucking gravestone (laughs) from another state. Jeez. No respect. The Vandals. Police. Evergreen Cemetery. Okay. Mm -hmm. Worst of all, in 1964, 1975, and 1978, three separate incidents. Graves were opened and caskets removed. (gasps) Bones were sometimes found to be strewn about the cemetery. Desecrated graves are still frequently found in the cemetery. Chicago. I know. Come on. (laughs) See, we don't have to go to anybody else's country to desecrate graves. We can do it right here. (laughs) Locally. An American grave desecrated by an American. (laughs) (laughs) It's just nice to see. (laughs) Was the haunting first caused by these disturbances? Most believe so, but others cite another source for the activity. Near the small pond that borders the cemetery, forest rangers and cemetery visitors have repeatedly found the remains of chickens and other small animals that have been slaughtered and mutilated in a ritualistic fashion. Officers that have patrolled the woods at night have reported seeing evidence of black magic and occult rituals in and around the graveyards. In some cases, inscriptions and elaborate writings have been carved in and painted on trees and grave markers and on the cemetery grounds themselves. This has led many to believe that the cemetery has been used for occult activities. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a fucking police officer being like, oh, this is clearly black magic related? Look over here, these dead animals. There's a satanic panic in that time. I don't trust that they know what they saw. No, and it's... I mean, once again, like, what is a ritualistic fashion to kill a chicken? What is, like, what do you do to it specifically? Like, what? You just behead it. Like, well, well, what's what's a non-ritualistic way to kill a chicken? You also just behead it. Like, do you have to, like, carve something into it? I've never heard of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm in all sorts of dark magic circles. Nobody ever talks about that shit. (laughs) Not occurred in a single cookbook I've gotten at the conferences. (laughs) The newsletter said nothing. If you combine the sordid activity with the vandalism that has nearly destroyed the place, you have a situation that is ripe for supernatural occurrences. Mm. Could this be what has caused the blight on Bachelor's Grove? Even the early superstitions of the tombstone of even the early superstitions of the tombstone give credence to the idea that man has always felt that desecration of graves, graves causes cemeteries to become haunted. Grave markers began as heavy stones that were placed on top of the graves of the deceased in the belief that the weight of it would keep the dead person or the angry spirit beneath the ground. Those who devised this system believed that if the stone was moved, the dead would be free to walk the earth. Oh. I'm not I don't a, know that. I'm not 100% sure that's true. The history no, but I love the story. Of, of burial is, well, it's as old as human beings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There is no question that vandals have not been kind to Bachelor's Grove, but then neither has time. The Midlothian Turnpike bypassed the cemetery, and even the road leading back to the graveyard was eventually closed. People forgot about the place and allowed it to fade into memory, just like the poor souls buried here. Today, the cemetery is overgrown with weeds and is surrounded by a high chain-link fence, although access is easily gained through the holes that trespassers have cut into it. The cemetery sign is long since gone. It once hung above the main gates, which are now broken, apart, broken open and lean dangerously into the confines of Bachelor's Grove. The first thing noticed by those who visit here is the destruction Tombstones seem to be randomly scattered about, no longer marking the resting places for those whose names are inscribed upon them. Hmm. Many of the stones are missing, lost forever, and perhaps carried off by thieves. These macabre crimes give birth to legends... (laughs) These macabre crimes gave birth? (laughs) (laughs) Disgusting. I would have chosen a gave rise. Oh, yeah. 
I don't no, I don't love birth. imagining crimes like viscerally giving birth to legends about <laughs> about how the stones of the cemetery move about under their own power. The most disturbing things to visitors, though, are the trenches and pits that have been dug above some of the graves as vandals have attempted to make off with souvenirs from those Ugh. whose rest they disturb. Oh, my God. Tomb Raiders. Tomb Fucking Raiders. Tomb Raiders. <laughs> oh, those American boys. <laughs> Getting up to good American hijinks. Near the front gate is a broken monument to a woman whose name was heard being called repeatedly on an audio tape. Some amateur ghost hunters left a recording device running while on an excursion to Bachelor's Grove, and later, upon playback of the tape, they discovered that the recorder had been left that the recorder had been left on the ruined tombstone of a woman that had the same name as being called on the tape. That's crazy. Coincidence? The book <laughs> postulates just beyond the rear barrier of the cemetery is a small stagnant pond Ooh, oh yeah (laughs) what did it give birth to i love standing water next to a cemetery Mm -mm. (laughs) i hate that i hate Mm, it i hate it so many biological processes (laughs) happening (laughs) Uh, yeah this pond while Outside of the graveyard is still not untouched by the horror connected to the place. It's probably the fucking source. Disgusting. One night in the late 1970s, two Cook County forest rangers were on night patrol near here and claimed to see the apparition of a horse emerge from the waters of the pond. The animal appeared to be pulling a plow that was steered by the ghost of an old man. What a fucking apparition. <laughs> the vision crossed the road in front of the ranger's vehicle, was framed for a moment in the glare of their headlights, and then vanished into the street. The men simply stared in shock for a moment and then looked at each other to be sure what they had both seen. <laughs> That's such a bold thing to report. Like, they they know they saw that. Sarge, is there any sort of historical, any kind of festival happening there tonight? We just seen something a little bit unusual. Black magic. No, we don't know it's black magic, sir. We just, uh, we could use a little bit of backup there. <laughs> they later reported the incident and since that time have not been the last to see the old man and the horse. Weird. Little did the rangers know, but this apparition (laughs) was actually a part of an old legend connected to the pond. It seems that in the 1870s, a farmer was plowing a nearby field when something startled his horse. The farmer was caught by surprise and became tangled in the reins. He was dragged behind the horse and it plunged into the small pond. Unable to free himself, he was pulled down into the murky water by the weight of the horse and the plow and he drowned. Since that time, the vivid recording of this terrible incident has been supernaturally revisiting the surrounding area. It's sort of like the Headless Horseman. Yeah. It's like, and every night on Halloween, a plow and a horse and a man is dragged behind it. My German farmer ancestors gave me a shiver thinking about that death that feels like something that could have happened to me if i were in the past i feel like you would be like oh no i don't want to bother you mr horse but i think you and then it would like start running towards the galloping towards the pond and you're like i just whenever you're ready to stop excuse me would you mind and then you would just drown (laughs) i'm like okay i don't want to be a um, sir In addition to the unfortunate phantom, the pond was also rumored to be a dumping spot for murder victims during the (gasps) Prohibition era of Chicago. Cool. Yeah, here's when my people enter the scene. (laughs) (laughs) I am not further perpetuating the stereotype that all Italian Americans are associated with mafia and racketeering. We're putting that on a (laughs) t-shirt? Italian disclaimer. (laughs) Those who went on a one-way ride were alleged to have ended the trip at the pond near Bachelor's Grove. 
Thanks to this, their spirits are also said to haunt the dark waters where they slept with the fishes. Good. Strangely, though, it's not the restless spirits of a gangland execution victims that have created the most bizarre tales of the pond. One night, an elderly couple was driving past the cemetery and claimed to see something by the bridge at the end of the pond. They stopped to get a closer look and were understandably terrified to see a huge two-headed man come out from under the bridge and cross the road in the light from their headlights. Morgan, your face. Whatever this creature may have been, it quickly vanished into the woods. Not many things have two heads. Incredibly, even the road near Bachelor's Grove is reputed to be haunted. <laughs> Could there be such a taint to this place that even the surrounding area is affected? He should have said infected, uh, but yes, affected. The Midlothian Turnpike is said to be the scene of vanishing ghost cars and phantom automobile accidents. No historical events can provide a clue as to why this might be, but the unexplained vehicles have been reported numerous times in recent years. The stories are all remarkably the same, too. People who are traveling west on the turnpike see the taillights of a car in front of them. The brake lights go on as if the car is planning to stop or turn. The car then turns off the road. However, once the following auto... <laughs> gets to the point in the road where the first vehicle turned, they find no car there at all! <gasps> car ghost. <laughs> Other drivers have reported passing. <laughs> What's a funny kind of car? A Plymouth? Is that a kind of car? It's a, yeah, it's a car. It's not funny, though. You didn't laugh. Um, didn't laugh. A Ford Pinto? Yeah. You smiled, but you didn't laugh. <laughs> A Wrangler. Is that a car or jeans? Jeans. Or both? A Jeep Wrangler. That's real. Jeep Wrangler. The Jeep uh, trucks make me giggle. Yeah, those are kind of funny. <laughs> All right, I like to make eye contact with its drivers and laugh at them. Morgan. Uh, Morgan's an aggressive driver, if you guys didn't know that. It's like literally true about her. It's fucking insane. It's so funny. And dangerous. Don't be like Morgan. <laughs> she will intimidate you right off the road. <laughs> I'm very defensive, though. I, f I would say you're offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I can be both on the you're an team. You're an offensive driver. <laughs> Before anyone even has a chance to have a problem, Morgan's on the scene. <laughs> okay. One young couple even claimed to have a collision with one of these phantom cars in 1978. They had just stopped at the intersection of Central Avenue and the Midlothian Turnpike. The driver looked both ways, saw that the road was clear in both directions, and then pulled out. Suddenly, a brown sedan appeared from nowhere, racing in the direction of the cemetery. The driver of the couple's car hit the brakes and tried to stop, but it was too late to avoid the crash. The two vehicles collided with not only a shuddering impact, but with the sound of screeching metal and broken glass as well. To make the event even more traumatic, the couple was then shocked to see the brown, the brown sedan literally fade away. They climbed out of their car, which had been com spun completely around by the impact, but realized it had not been damaged at all. They had distinctly heard the sound of the torn metal and broken glass and had left and had felt the crash of the two cars coming together, but somehow it had never physically happened. What? <laughs> That's crazy. That's one of those situations where you look at the person that you're with and you both walk in opposite directions and never see each other never. again because yeah. that's a that's a that's a brain melter. <laughs> that's a well <laughs> Let's never talk about that again. Literally, like, if I acknowledge that, all of my preconceived notions of existence and life on Earth are wrong. So why don't we go our separate ways? <laughs> That's fucking crazy. For those searching for Bachelor's Grove, it can be found by leaving the roadway and walking up an overgrown gravel track that is surrounded on both sides by the forest. No. The old road is blocked with chains and concrete dividers and a dented no trespassing sign that hangs ominously near the mouth to the trail. The burial ground lies about a half mile or so beyond it in the woods. So you need to walk a half mile in the woods past a no trespassing sign to get to this place. Towards the stagnant pond water. No, thank you. <laughs> I, have, I guess I have a lot of opinions about stag <laughs> stagnant ponds and 
enough not to be be mosquitoes fit in this well it's like they don't have enough like life inside them to like make the circle of life go so it Mm -hmm. just like sort of stops and gross things bloom up and nothing is there to like eat it and get it going so like the circle of life has come to a grinding halt (laughs) you guys get it okay it is along this deserted road where other strange tales of the cemetery take place One of these odd occurrences is the sighting of the Phantom Farmhouse. It has been seen appearing and disappearing along the trail for several decades now. The reports date back as early as the 1960s and continue today. The most most credible thing about many of these accounts is that they come from people who originally had no idea that the house shouldn't be there at all. The house has been reported in all weather conditions and in the <laughs> for all my weather-minded friends, <laughs> the house has been reported in all weather conditions and in the daylight hours as well as the night. Uh, that's a deep cut. If, if you've been here since the Weather Channel paranormal mm. show days, you get it. We're big Man, weather fans. We should here. make a T-shirt for the Weather Channel. <laughs> <laughs> You think they could be a sponsor? Can we do a co- little collab? A little collab I mean, Does it exist anymore? Um, Where there's no. weather. Let's not reach out. They'll sue. <laughs> but I, I do want to profit off of their existence. They can't own weather. <laughs> no. Or channels. Maybe it's a psychic weather channel. It's my channel from Spirit. So Ooh. that's what it is. And that is why I can legally sell Weather Channel merch. The house has been reported in all weather conditions. <laughs> there is no historical record of a house existing there, but the descriptions of it rarely vary. Each person claims it to be an old frame farmhouse with two stories, painted white, with wooden posts, a porch swing, and a welcoming light that burns softly in the window. Popular legend states that should you enter this house, though, you will never come out again. I love that. I love that, love that. Me too. As witnesses (laughs) approach the building, it is reported to get smaller and smaller until it is finally just fades away, like someone switching off an old television set. No one has ever claimed to set foot on the front porch of the house. It's like the Simpsons episode whenever Ned Flanders gets his house destroyed by a tornado and then the community like rebuilds it for him and he walks in and he's super impressed. But then like it slowly shrinks and like they got lazy and like the house like as he like walks into it, the building gets more and more shoddy and it just like gets tinier and tinier (laughs) until like his bedroom door is like six inches tall. That's probably what would happen if you walked inside here obviously Mm -hmm. uh but the story gets stranger yet in addition to so so far we have like the burial ground itself which has just like been completely demolished and has crazy shit happened there then you have the road leading to the burial ground which has like phantom cars and then you have a stagnant pond near the burial ground that has like a fucking headless horse plow person no no one's headless it's just a fun thing to think about um (laughs) coming out of the uh, out of the stagnant water and you have a phantom farmhouse that people are like oh who lives up the road and there's like there's nobody down lives down that road you've seen the phantom farmhouse there's an old (laughs) man from maine on every (laughs) haunted corner willing to tell you about and there's a two-headed under the bridge troll man and then there's a two-headed like thing that comes out from under the wild really good stuff it's got it all in addition to the house appearing and disappearing it also shows up at a wide variety of locations along the trail weird on one occasion it may be sighted in one area and then at an entirely different spot the next time author dale kasmerick who also heads the ghost research society paranormal investigation group has interviewed dozens of witnesses about the paranormal events at bachelor's grove he has talked to many who say they have experienced the vanishing farmhouse he has found that while all of their descriptions of the house are identical the locations of the sightings are not in fact he asked the witnesses to place an x on the map of the area where they saw the house kasmerick now has a map of the bachelor's grove area with x's all over it cool Also, from the stretch of trail come reports of ghost lights. One such light has been reported many times is a red beacon-like orb that has been seen flying rapidly up and down the trail to the cemetery. (laughs) 
The light is so bright and moves so fast that it is impossible to tell what it really looks like. Most witnesses state that they have seen a red streak that it is left in its wake. Will-o'-wisps, follow them to your fate. Others, like Jack Hermansky, oh my god, these Chicago names, they crack me up. We're hearing from Dale Kazmarek and Jack Hermansky, good guys, honest fellas, rough hands, lots of calluses. So what? <laughs> when I think of Chicago, I do think, so what? So what are you going like to do that. about it? Huh? So what? <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, I'll go. Fuck. Didn't want to stay anyway. <laughs> Um, Jack Hermansky has reported seeing balls of blue light in the woods and in the cemetery itself. These weird lights have sometimes been reported moving in and around the tombstones of the graveyard. Hermansky encountered the lights in the early 1970s and chased a number of them. <laughs> That's oh Hermansky. He'll get after it. He's not afraid of nothing. <laughs> All of the lights managed to stay just out of his reach. <laughs> Come here, That's you buggers. Perfect. Come here. Hold my flashlight. Here we go. <laughs> like running after lights. However, a woman named Denise Travers did manage to catch up with one of the blue lights in December 1971. She claimed to pass her hand completely through one of them, but felt no heat or sensation. Besides the aforementioned phenomena, there have been many sightings of ghosts and apparitions within Bachelors Grove Cemetery itself. So this was all like peripheral bullshit. Surrounding nonsense. Yeah. As, you know, irrelevant as the lonely men who were originally buried <laughs> in this godforsaken, loveless hole in the ground. Just kidding. <laughs> So, finally, we get to ghosts and apparitions. The two most frequently reported figures have been the phantom monks and the so-called Madonna of Bachelor's Grove. The claims of the monk-like ghosts are strange in themselves. These spirits are said to be clothed in the flowing robes and cowls of a monastic order, and they have been reported in Bachelor's Grove and in other places in the Chicago area, too. There are no records to indicate that a monastery ever existed near any of the locations where the monks have been sighted, making them one of the greatest of the area's enigmas. Ooh. The most frequently reported spirit is known by a variety of names, from the Madonna of Bachelor's Grove to the White Lady to the affectionate name of Mrs. Rogers. Legend has it that she is the ghost of a woman who was buried in the cemetery next to the grave of her young child. She is reported to wander the cemetery on nights of the full moon with an infant son with an infant wrapped in her arms. She appears to walk aimlessly with no apparent direction and completely unaware of the people who claimed to encounter her. There's no real evidence to say who this woman might be, but over the years she has taken her place as one of the many spirits of this haunted burial ground. And there are other ghosts. Legends tell more apocryphal tales of a ghostly child who has been seen running across the bridge from one side of the pond to the other, a glowing yellow man, and even a black carriage that travels along the old road through the woods. Ugh, I love Wait, a, a yellow man? Yes, Morgan, a yellow man. A glowing, glowing? a glowing yellow man. Wrap your head around it. <laughs> We're moving fast. <laughs> it's got everything. <laughs> um... Many of these tales come from a combination of stories, both new and old, but the majority of first-hand reports and encounters are the result of literally hundreds of paranormal investigations that have been conducted here over the last 40 years. Many of the ghost hunters who come to this place are amateur investigators looking for thrills as much as they're looking for evidence of the supernatural, while others are serious investigators looking for... Evidence of the supernatural. He repeated himself. Troy, Troy, Troy. They're both looking for the same thing, but you labeled one as thrill seekers and the other as serious investigators. But I mean, even a serious invest serious investigator of the paranormal. Like, you're also looking basically for thrills. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're looking for evidence of life after death. <laughs> Let's all relax. That's a pretty inherently serious pursuit, even if you are just looking for thrills. Yeah. <laughs> In the end, we have to ask, 
What is it about Bachelor's Grove Cemetery? Is it as haunted as we've been led to believe? I have to leave that up to the reader to decide. But strange things happen here, and there is little reason to doubt that it is one of the most haunted places in the Midwest. (laughs) In the Chicago area. In the Chicago suburban (laughs) exurbs. No, it's it's a very famously haunted place. I don't mean to take that away from it. Um, there's just something so about the much. the Midwest that is just like an inherently funny region. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's negative. I think it's just funny. <laughs> I won't apologize. <laughs> and I don't think a Midwesterner would come for me. That's the that's the cute. <laughs> that's the beauty. That's the wonderful thing about this. Like you know basically baseless stereotype is that i don't unless they're literally from chicago in which case they know not to mess with me um generally they're going to be like yep it is a funny place (laughs) (laughs) one of my best friends is from ohio and she is yeah she would she would apologize if you punched her in the face She'd be like, oh, gosh, I'm I'm sorry. I bet you've had a rough day. And I just came in here asking how you are. And if you'd like a drink, I, you know, I would have done the same thing. I, I really I would have done the same thing. Let me just go clean up. <laughs> but haunted or not, Bachelor's Grove is still a burial ground and a place that should be treated with respect as the final resting place of those interred here. It should also be remembered that the cemetery is not a private playground for those who are interested in ghosts and hauntings. Thanks to the efforts of local preservation groups, it appears that Bachelor's Grove is not beyond restoration, but it should be protected against the abuses that it has suffered in the past. It is a piece of our haunted history that we cannot afford to lose. This place is wild. So now you have a context for bachelor's grove and it really seems like an almost like inexplicably extremely haunted and weirdo place um where just like shit happens it's sort of like the bermuda triangle and you're like well there wasn't just like one terrible you know like ship disaster Mm -hmm. from a spanish galleon in 1548 so then from now on terrible things happen here it's just like no weird shit just happens here it has as yeah. long as anyone has been around to notice it. <laughs> it's the like hotel vibe, haunted hotel vibe, where it's just a beacon for that kind of nonsense. Yeah, but a hotel would make sense. Like people are around hotels. Like I don't know yeah, the history of like native people or but it but it was like dense forest. <laughs> like I don't even know that it was that occupied before settlers came. It's and even wild. when they did come, it was just like, I'm the postmaster and it's called this. And then other people were like, I'm the postmaster and it's called this. <laughs> and then those people died and then it ceased to exist as a settled place. <laughs> and now there's two different types of transportation ghosts. And both of those like modes of transportation are like no longer allowed. It's like the highway no longer goes over here and the road no longer goes over here you're not allowed to go into the trail into the woods and just like don't go anywhere near this place but yet when people do freaky shit happens (laughs) okay so so, cool so let's hear about some of the freaky shit that happens from Uh the first perspective of someone who did it hell yeah so this is from the book haunted encounters ghost stories from around the world edited by Ginny sienna bivona mitchell whittington and dorothy mcconaughey and these are Texans who adorably uh, write books like this uh, or who edit books like this. So this was sent to me by a wonderful listener and it has been a wonderful resource. Ooh. A fabulous resource for me and for this podcast. So The Ghosts of Bachelor Grove Cemetery by John Sobiek, Illinois, United States. Sobiek. Fuck yeah. We love the polls. <laughs> we love the checks. My people. We love the silent Z's and W's. One of my friends growing up, her last name was Wilganowski. And another was Wishnewski. Mm. <laughs> it's really just a fun thing to wrap your mouth around. Or to sort of sneeze out. It's it's more of a, it's not really something to wrap your mouth around as much as it is something to force out of you. <laughs> 
need to exercise the word out of you. I love, I love, like, Polish last names are so awesome. Okay, Bachelor Grove Cemetery is known by many ghost research societies and casual ghost hunters alike as being the most haunted cemetery in the United States. I had heard all the tales, ranging from the ghost cars seen on Midlothian Turnpike and the two-headed ghost that appears out of the murky pond near the site of a man who came dashing across the pathway that leads to the graveyard, only to disappear, disappear moments later. And who could forget the woman who cuts off the head of men unfortunate enough to be in the place at night? I haven't heard that one. Yes. <laughs> I have been to the... <laughs> <laughs> so wait, it's a woman who cuts off the head of men who are wandering around there. Punishment for single men. <gasps> Start dating. You're not getting any younger. It's Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> <laughs> Is punishment for single men. Oh, you dog. That's hilarious. <laughs> And so topical. That show is only stopped airing, what, 10 years ago? <laughs> it's fresh to me. <laughs> okay. Um, I had been to the haunted graveyard dozens of times and had never come across any physical or auditory proof of a ghost. I had taken roll after roll of film and videotape without anything appearing on them. My beliefs were beginning to wear thin, and I assumed by now that most of the tales were, in fact, only tales. My mind, however, was changed on a winter day in 2001. It was an average weekend for my nephew Mike and me. The weather was cold and rainy, and we figured it was the best time to hit haunted places. Mm. I'm so jealous. I wish I had an uncle where our average weekend spent together was in search of haunted places. No one else would be around. We got together our film, videotape gear, and other necessities. This time, I decided to try something different. I brought along a Ouija board and planned on testing it out. We arrived at the cemetery around noon and began our investigation. The place had remained relatively unchanged from the last time I had seen it. Beer bottles had been strewn along the path to the place amidst other rubbish, and it had the obvious look of neglect. We made our rounds around the cemetery, flashing pictures and shooting videotape as we saw fit. I had the general feeling of discomfort I had whenever I entered this place. The badly damaged tombstones ripped from their proper places had been placed as seats for inconsiderate, quote, party animals. <laughs> Way to use the current lingo there. Was his name John? Mr. Sobiek? Some sites had been partially vandalized, such as the fence around the graveyard, which was torn and cut open in places. I felt like we were intruding in the place, disturbing yeah. the peace. You this are. feeling never went away. I was used to this, however, and we proceeded with our business. <laughs> I often trespass. <laughs> and it brings discomfort. I'm okay with that. So we went. <laughs> the initial videotaping of the cemetery and surrounding areas lasted two hours or so. By then, we were cold and wet. A shadow had hung in the sky all day. It was then that I decided to try the Ouija board. I'd tried before to contact spirits at various tombstones throughout the area, and I always came up with gibberish, as if too many things were trying to communicate at once. After an hour of this, we decided to call it quits and head home for a while. We started the long journey home and got a bite to eat. Our plans were to return to the site at around 2 in the morning. We got back to the place around 2.30 a.m., Walking down the path with our only flashlights, with only our flashlights to cut through the darkness, I could feel a great tension in the place. It was no different than usual, but I still felt on somewhat a greater edge. Fog had settled into the cemetery in sheets. As soon as we entered the graveyard, our troubles began. Oh, I love fog. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I love our troubles began for a journey. Nope, you love weather. I do. I love weather phenomena. I love all kinds of fog. I think there are two kinds of fog. I talk about it in an earlier episode. You guys should definitely uh, find that. It's it's really um, good to know. Someone make a compilation of our weather commentary. I think it's like advection fog and... Anyway, it's really important to know. So look, <laughs> look into that before we move forward with the story. <laughs> yeah, pause. Research. As we got through the gate... A lone deer that had been grazing inside bolted upon seeing us. This gave us a big scare, something we laughed off after a moment. What luck! 
Not a ghost, but a deer that scared us half to death. Something was different that night. The fog was swirling wildly in the air, as if a gigantic fan was blowing it around. I had never seen anything like it before. About two minutes into the search, I heard a loud groan from where I had performed the Ouija board experiment on a gravestone. It sent shivers up my spine, and I flashed my light into the direction, but I could not see through the fog. The groan came again. It was like nothing I had ever heard. I tried to remain calm. The place seemed to contort. The paths from tombstone to tombstone lengthened and shortened in a strange way. I told my nephew that I thought we should leave, but he convinced me to stay. So we did. We made our way further in and began hearing the beating of drums. It was a loud, constant beating that seemed to come from nowhere and everywhere at once. Again, this was something I had never experienced here. I heard voices in a whisper. They were definitely not those of pranksters, but something else. They carried in the wind, and I felt even greater fear. We had made one round around the place, and then we heard something moving in the bushes in the distance. I told my nephew that I was finished, and I felt unsafe here. He agreed, and we made our way back to the entrance. As we headed back, the place began to glow brightly. How... I do not know. We tested to see if it was actually bright by turning off our flashlights. We could see without them. That was the final straw. We got out of the gate as quickly as we could and began walking down the path. We heard more noises and kept steaming fast ahead. About halfway back, we stopped and turned around. The cemetery was glowing brilliantly. From this same point before, we could see nothing. It was then that we saw a white figure coming from the cemetery towards us. It seemed to hover through the woods. The thing looked like a cloud, but it was separate from the fog in the graveyard. It looked like a cloud, but it was in the shape of a man or a woman. It came towards us, and we decided not to wait to find out what it wanted. We practically ran out of the place, and as we came to the street, we took one last glance. The thing hovered in the distance. We took off as fast as we could. We considered ourselves professionals of this site, having been there numerous times, and yet we lasted less than 10 minutes that night. That night convinced me that something exists out there I cannot explain. I do not know who or what it was that I saw, but I do know that it was not a living human. I have been to many ghost sites throughout the United States and even the world, but I've never seen anything comparable to this experience. Bachelor's Grove Cemetery sold me on the fact that ghosts are real. That's insane. Is it the pet cemetery? That's some magic. I I like the idea of I like that you brought up pet cemetery because like the pet cemetery it isn't just what it is on the surface. It isn't mm-hmm. just like haunted by like so and so's dead rabbit. It's like, oh, the land is shower. Yeah. Something's <laughs> going on with that fucking land and pond moment. Yeah. It's so, so cool. Fascinating. <laughs> I know. And I I almost, I definitely wish that it had more of like a, I don't know, like a straightforward history. But mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of like little weird things sort of from like here and there. Um I wish that it was more straightforwardly like, oh, this was a place where organized crime people would dump bodies. Um, but like, you know, that's like there's some evidence of that, but it's not like the whole thing. And it just mm-hmm. seems like sort of just like a weird random cemetery that started getting used in the 1830s, stopped getting used roughly 100 years later and it's is weird. weirdly the center of so much vandalism and so much weird encounters. I would kind of love to go there. <laughs> I field trip. <laughs> I'm dying to see this. Yeah. During the day, maybe. We'll get a sausage deep dish to go. I'll hold it like a baby. <laughs> I wonder, speaking of holding it like a baby, I wonder if the white figure that they saw was like the Madonna of the Grove or whatever. You know, mm, like the, the white yeah. figure, like the woman who walks through there's always a lady in white or an all white lady or a gray lady or sometimes a green lady lady. Mm. almost never a lady in red we have to change that i think that was really fun i think it was such a cool way to talk about uh desecrated graves closer to home (laughs) 
Hell yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I I love Bachelor's so Grove. Those stories are so great. All right, guys, you know what to do. You know where to mm-hmm. find us. And if you'd like to meet more like-minded individuals, uh, you can join our Facebook camp mess hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, type in Camp Roanoke Mess Hall into Facebook, and you can join a private group. And when we talk and I we share updates and... And yeah, they're like kind of the first people to know stuff. So so mm-hmm. so join the madness for the Halloween <laughs> three quarters of the year. <laughs> <laughs> the best time of the year. Absolutely. All right, y'all have a spooky night. Filled with restless dreams. Of haunted two-headed stagnant pond things. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. circle of life has come to a grinding halt.